space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're carrying on looking at time travel across all the different Star Treks. And we're sort of... We're, we're kind of doing individual episodes at the minute. I don't know if we've run out of two-parters, but um, we've got one from Voyager, one from DS9 this time. I think there's one more two-parter from... TNG that we've not covered yet. Right. Oh, of course, yeah. Time's Arrow. We'll have to yeah. do that one at some point with Mark Twain and all of that stuff. But, um, yeah, we got a bit of a mix this week, so we're going to have a look at these two. Uh, we're starting off with Shattered, which is from the last season of Voyager. Yeah, about halfway through the last season. Yeah, and it's, it's not a bad one as well. To say it's um, the main character's... One of our favourites at Retrek, Chakotay. Yeah, um, we'll get to how uh, et or in et we think he's at different points throughout the episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad a one. It's uh... no, it's actually quite a good episode. It's enjoyable, and good it... pace. Um, it... Says bye to a lot of uh, recurring characters for the last time. Yeah, I really like that, and I like that it it's almost like sort of a, a stroll down memory lane sort of thing, like looking back. Yeah, at... it it could be. It's very much like a flashback episode. Yeah, but they don't actually use any sh- flashbacks. It's all new footage. Yeah, which I like. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's it'd be good... very easy to do this. It's a very cheap episode. Yeah, well, I think they learnt the lesson with um, clip shows from, um, what is it, Shades of Grey. Was it Shades of Grey? Yeah, thankfully that's still the only Star Trek clip show that we've had, but... Yeah. I I don't like clip shows generally, but, um, yeah, at least Star Trek's, by and large, steered away from it, but... Yeah. I think that was a a budgetary thing, wasn't it? You know, it's the second season with the writer's strike and everything, so... Yeah, yeah, it was all budget and running out out of time and nothing to do, so they just did a clip show. And to be fair, back then in the eighties, a lot of shows used to do that. Oh yeah, it was really popular. I mean, and um, even more recently, like Friends was quite notorious for it. Like they did at least one a season from. I can't remember whether they started in season three or season four, but they they always drop one in to have a, a cheaper episode where they didn't have yeah. to film anything. And yeah, it's just awful. It's like I remember with friends, it were like a clip show had come on, and that was your one episode for the week, and you were just like, oh, I'm just gonna turn it off. There's no point watching this one. Yeah. And yeah, the, but a lot of shows used to do them. But anyway, this isn't a, a clip show this though. Isn't it could a clip have been. Show. It's actually really well done. Yeah. So look, it visits a lot of time periods. Yeah, he does. I mean, I've tried to keep track of them all, but I may well have missed some, so we'll see as we go through. I think I've got them all written down. Yeah. and So, we start off then, and we've got Icheb and Naomi, which, that seems to be almost like a fan-baiting combination there, because they're sort of two of the most hated recurring characters, I think, and they they bob them both together Um, right at the beginning. To be fair, I I didn't mind Naomi. Hmm. No, I, I 
she doesn't. She was okay. I think uh, like HF is universally hated. Yeah, I think there is a lot of hate for Naomi as well, though. But I, you're right; it's not as much <laughs> as as for HF. But <laughs> and this is they're sort of working on the the cargo bay, and Chakotay's been squatting bottles of cider there. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm gonna smuggle me own cider. Yeah, and and he gets this this one bottle of cider out to take to his dinner with Janeway. So what are you gonna do with that one little bottle of cider? There don't look to be enough even because he he sort of pours it out for both of them, doesn't he? Yeah, and but like I drink cider, and like generally, I know you can get strong ciders, but even a strong cider isn't actually that strong. No, it's not like wine. You know, yeah. or, or a, a spirit even. You know, you if maybe he's just not up for a session. But you know, if they were up for a good session, you'd need pints of cider, not yeah, one little bottle of it. But then, is it one of these weird alien ones? So maybe it's uh, you know, yeah, really... or, or maybe it's like the drink yeah, synthol, don't they? So, and um, I assume that if he's got real alcohol. He's probably got a very limited supply, so it maybe it's just one bottle. Yeah, maybe that's that enough. Have as, to to complement other things. Yeah, true. But yeah, so he's got his his hidden cider and everything. And they go for this sort of cosy dinner with Janeway and everything. And yeah, I thought it was a uh, nice of Janeway to forget that he'd uh, gone uh, vegetarian. Oh, <laughs> dear, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, that happens quite quite early on. That is vegetarian. <laughs> Right. Uh, but um, Janeway just don't give a shit because it's only Jacoby. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, she's cooked it. I suppose it's one of the things, like, she's the captain. you like, maybe she's testing him, like, seeing if he, he dares say. Yeah, but he doesn't. If he, he dares just... say anything. And we know he's spineless. We've come across this many yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't dare say, oh, he just sits there and eats it and he probably has food yeah. poisoning next day. He uh, probably goes and throws up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it's... Uh, he ends up in engineering, and they go through the spatial rift, which blasts him. And quite yeah, the so- ship takes a blast. Quite sort of similar to um, the effect in The Visitor when Cisco gets blasted by a, yeah. a thing, which is another time travel one we should look at at some point. But um, yeah, so similar sort of thing. And we find out it's put his body in a temporal flux because it shows him being really old. But he says, like, you've got the liver of an 80-year-old and a kidneys of a 10-year-old. So, you know, can't remember yeah. which way around it yeah. is, but Bilana, something like that. Bilana transports him straight to sick bay. Yeah. And the doctor's treating him. And then you get, like he mentions, why don't you put your hollow emitter on? on? And the doctor yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, see, and I thought... This seems really clever because the doctor's there whining about how unappreciated he is. Yeah. And that is very much sort of an earlier version of the doctor. Yeah. So you get you yeah, get it, clues but, that it's an earlier. Is, yeah, this is a uh, sometime towards the end of season 2. Right. So yeah, you you get those clues that it is an earlier version of the doctor, but then you know, it's not a comment that you, you it would be totally out of line, and you would you wouldn't say, "Oh, that's definitely not the season seven Doctor." But it's a sort no, because he could still be abrasive. Yeah, so it's and especially he's invented this thing that you know sorts out your temporal. It does sound an impressive bit of medicine. Yeah, but we we've got quite used to that from this Doctor. That yeah, he's like 
I really like the Doctor as a character. I, I do. The Doctor's a great character. And to be fair, I think he's arguably is the best Doctor in Starfleet. Yeah, well, he should be, yeah. He's got the combined knowledge, but because he's been on so long, he's used to using it, and he does and problem-solving and not just relying on his program, but he's adaptive and yeah. learning new procedures. And I suppose like, he's in the Delta Quadrant, so he, he's got all the Alpha and Beta Quadrant stuff in his databases anyway. Yeah. But then he's learning stuff that the, the other Doctors won't have and everything. So, yeah, I do like the Doctor. And as you say, that's the clue. When we find out he's not got his mobile emitter, that's how we know that he's from a different time. And well, then it, straight away this puts it before season three's future's end. Yeah, and then it's it's in the turbo lift, isn't it? At first, when Chakotay sort of passes through something. Yeah, it sort of passes through the barrier. Like, let's remember he got tel- got beamed to sick base. So yeah, so he looks... sort of passes through some sort of barrier on his way to the bridge, don't they? Yeah, and they don't know him. Yeah, but so this is. Literally season one before the end of the Badlands. Yeah, this is really, really a little bit like we had uh, last time we looked at um, Relativity, where that's before they even launch. This is sort of in between that and where we pick them up in the pilot. Yeah, now there is a really nice touch that they've done in this original episode part. Yeah. Uh, the security officer, uh, Andrews, is played by the same character. Caretaker. Uh, right, that is good. Going to come back for. <laughs> yeah. So it's like Paul Terrell Clayton. He only appears in two episodes. No, but that is that's really good that they've but done it's that. It's nice that they've actually gone because we saw Braxton. They just got a different actor. Which, yeah, exactly. And it, and it was like a main character in both episodes. Yeah, and it, I wondered about that because, like, we never see. The original Doctor or the original Chief Engineer no, again. Yeah, we do see the original Doctor. Yeah, we never see the original Doctor again. We see him in the episode. Yeah. So I was wondering if they'd bring anybody back from it. Um, so yeah. that's good that they have done. And then he goes down to engineering, and this is where we get the return of the case on the. Whenever we the go case through on these, that when we, when we go through these time things, we always seem to go back to the case on for some reason. Do you think yeah. like? Do you think the writers thought, oh, people love the Kazon, let's keep reminding of them? No, I think they spent a, a huge amount of money in uh, pre-production before season one, and, the, and the, essentially by the end of season two, the Kazon were gone. Yeah. And I think they were just trying to actually use use some of the props <laughs> again. Maybe so, of, yeah. And, instead of creating new ones. And despite, I've got issues with the way they kept running into Seska because it just beggared belief. But Seska was a good character. Well, yeah, but this one is is quite is fine that they're there because it's jumped here to... Oh, yeah. Um, season 2, episode... Um, it's the, the finale, isn't it? It's um, Basics. Basics, yeah. Basics part 2, where the... Yeah. Where the, the case on are on the ship. And he tries sort of blagging him a little bit to, to get round it, like he sneaked back onto the ship and all this stuff, but um, it doesn't work. No, well, he'd slipped up, hadn't he, about how he wasn't expecting to see her and all yeah. that. Yeah, and th- it's quite a cool effect where he goes through the rift, but he can still see them on the other side, but they... They can't see him, they he's can't moved. See- yeah. yeah, 
they can't see him and everything. So that's pretty cool. And he winds up back with the Doctor again. And this is where the Doctor's invented his his time proof. Chakotay says, oh, can you use the thing that you did to fix me and make a hypo spray out of it? Um, but it, so I can get help. But it's the, he's got to make the container out of it as well so that he can take the container yeah. through it all and everything. So the Doctor is really good because that's, that's sort of an engineering thing, really, rather than a <laughs> a medical thing. But, uh, you know, he does manage well, to do it. So Well, by now we'd already had uh, the emergency commands program. <laughs> True, yeah. So I assume he's got the other parts in there as well. Yeah, it's a bit be. like uh, what we see on in Picard. Yeah, with Rios and his crew, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's yeah, he wants to recruit Janeway and um the it's um you know, once he gets her and everything, they they want to go to Astrometrics and she's oh well we don't have an Astrometrics lab and Yeah, and he's like, Oh Harry Kim helped build it. Yeah. And he's going, well, well, you know, Harry Kim might just be an ensign now, but he becomes one of our best people. It's like, yeah, but he's still an ensign. Still an ensign. <laughs> yeah, you don't promote him, so don't worry about it. He might be one of your best guys, but um, not showing him the love there. And- yeah, like, I went back, uh, like, obviously I went back and I watched Caretaker because I wanted to check for anyone re- coming back from originals. Yeah. The original episode. And in, in there, um, Tom Paris gets promoted a field promotion to lieutenant in the first episode. Yeah, he does. And but then Tom gets knocked back in rank to ensign, doesn't he? Later in the yeah. show. But yeah. but and then I think promoted again. yeah, in the finale, I think he gets promoted back up to lieutenant, doesn't he? So yeah, yeah. Oh, poor Harry. Um, but but yeah. So Chakotay's on about that, and then there's a bit where Chakotay's sort of talking about things that have happened in the past, and it almost feels like a bit of a wink to the audience, like he's referencing silly storylines, you know, it's almost like yeah. the the creator's going, yeah, okay, we know we did some daft stuff over years, like, what is he, t- he talks about plants or something, and... Well, he, no, it's um, from the episode Bliss, because in the corridor, that's where they are. yeah. He says it, it could the, be... It's a telepathic picture plant. <laughs> that's it, the telepathic picture plant. Yeah, but that that's uh, in the corridor where everyone's sort of unconscious. But he says it, it could be that or it could be something else as well. Yeah, it's definitely uh, <coughs> the tele- telepathic picture plant because um, the lighting's dimmed. Right. And I can't I, remember the other episode, but the other episode where they passed out in the corridors. Right. All the, all the corridor lights are on. And I really like Kate Mulgrew's performance in this because you can tell she is getting more and more sort of freaked out as it goes along where he's coming out yeah. with, and then this happens, and then we do this, and we do this, and she's just thinking, what the hell happens yeah. in this mission? Well, it's like, uh, shortly after this, uh, she got they go in another corridor, and they come across the macrocosm. Yeah, the macrocosm. <laughs> like, that was an awful episode. It's, like, some of the worst CGI ever. Uh, they are bad, aren't they? But, yeah, and that, that's the one way... Yeah, but it's, it's, it's like you say, I think the the writers and the creators were having a bit of a laugh at themselves as well, some of the yeah, stuff they were referencing. I think it's deliberate, and it's good fun. I don't mind it when they... 
you know, when they hold their hands up and go, yeah, that were a bit daft. And it, yeah. it is fun to look back on it. And it'd be totally the other way around if you had uh, Chicote sort of going, oh, you know, this was a dark day for Voyager and it was really tough and all that. But it's not. It's done with a wink. Yeah. I, the one I can't work out is when they're going to the mess hall. Right. And, and everyone's got the radiation poisoning and Chicote dies. So I'm assuming that's the future. I thought, yeah, that's... That we don't see. I thought that was meant to be um, if they don't fix this anomaly, that'll be like a knock-on effect of... Possibly. The anomaly that they've got. That that was what I thought from it. Yeah, but... yeah I, like I've had a look and I can't find which, which episode it is. So it's either just slightly forward because they seem to be <laughs> only jumping sort of Two or three episodes in a time frame, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I think it is meant to be after this crisis, because Janeway... Oh, sorry, um, when Chakotay's talking to Janeway later on, he sa- she says, or he says rather, if we fix it in my time, then Tuvok won't die. Yeah. So it must be after the... Slightly after. the. It must be after Chakotay's present in this instance. Um... So then we get the older versions of um, Icheb and Naomi as well. And I thought the, the older version of Icheb actually looks a bit like the bloke they got to pay, play him in Picard. Yeah. So like, that's not sure, too bad. Actually, it'd be inter- I'd never checked his name if that's actually the same actor. It, it can't be. I mean, because it, it, he'd have to still be that age now or only yeah, a little true. bit older. But it, he does have the look of him. So they obviously... Yeah cast around a particular sort of body type when they were they were looking for that but um yeah so we get older naomi and Icheb and we find out that janeway and chakotay had both died uh earlier in the mission and everything yeah and then we get the cool bit with we get a sim seven who's still if not assimilated but she's still all all bogged up well well, this is part of Scorpion, isn't it? Because yeah. There's Stuber Bog there on the ship. So she's wanting to assimilate them, and um, like when they they say like, "Oh, we we need your help," and she's like, "Well, I've got a better idea. Rather than me doing a job for you, if I assimilate you both, and you can assimilate others, yeah, it'll be much better. <laughs> That'll be an easier now, way of doing this, it. It's this scene where Jakarta shows how incompetent a first officer is yet again. Go on. Because uh, they've got the um, hyperspray to sort of counteract the effects of this time dis- time distortion. Yeah. And the, uh, they say, uh, and Jamie goes, well, why don't we just inject it into the bioneural gel packs? Mm. Which is what make the, sh- the ship work. Yeah. It, it's part of the computer system. And Jacoby looks at her, what? <laughs> it's been the first officer for... Like the best part of seven years, and it doesn't know that the cop, the ship, entire computer system runs on bio gel packs. Yeah, I'm good. It I, doesn't know what they are. Yeah, I'd not even thought of that, but you're right because that's like one of the main things about the ship. Yeah, it's one of the f- things that make it so advanced compared to other Federation starships of its time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, good point. I mean, yeah. So I'm just putting that out there yet again. Jakarta proves what an incompetent first officer he is. Well, he does. And also, you know, I know there's 
jokes about the temporal prime directive and everything in this one, but he is flouting it left, right, and centre. You know, he, he he's telling her so much about uh, what's going on and everything, and so much yeah. so like he's talking about you know we ran into the bog, we did this, but then later on the doctor sort of lets something slip and Chakotay bollocks him for it. He's like, oh, doctor, what are you doing? It's like, hang on, you've just told uh, more or less everything that's happened in the last seven years, but you're giving the doctor yeah. grief for letting something go. It's like, oh, that's just stupid. Come on. Nice. He, he is. He, he's... <laughs> and then... You could have been such a good character and you weren't. We get... <laughs> it's true. Uh, we get this other bit about Dante's Inferno, like he quotes Dante, and she's like, oh, I didn't know you read Dante, and he's like, well, you lent me the book, and yeah. then, which is all very flirty, but then she says, well, that was an engagement gift from Mark, and it's like, wait a minute, so you got engaged to him, and he bought you, you know, you're planning to marry this guy, and he buys you a book, which is about someone's descent through the eight levels of hell. You know, yeah. that, that's a bit of a weird no. thing to buy someone when you're about to marry them. I'm not sure. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking that's a strange thing. But then I was thinking, if you look at, was it the um, motion picture, or Wolf of Khan, where, Wolf of Khan, where um, Kurt gets the book as a present of... Uh, of Spock, yeah, I mean... Of Spock. I can... And I'm thinking, like, they're used to getting everything on pads. If this is a real printed book, ancient... This actually is probably is probably actually a really thoughtful present. It is. She likes but, that book. But and he's gone out and actually found a yeah, an suppose, copy that's hundreds of years old. Yeah, you're an right. Actual real book. If it's something that she's a big fan of, yeah. then yeah, it could be a personal gift. But it seems weird yeah. to buy. It. I was thinking like like by our standards, we don't think we wouldn't think giving a book as an engagement as an engagement present would be a really good thing, but. I imagine that how they are, whether money isn't the same to them anymore, we're confused about the finances, and I yeah. think Star Trek's confused about the finances, truth be told. But we've yeah. seen it previously where getting a book is a, made to be a big deal. It'd be the novelty of the gift rather than the yeah. gift itself. But no, it's... Yeah, like, if you're, if you're getting a book that's four or five hundred years old, that's a major antique. Well, it's not so much the fact that it's a book. To me, it's the subject matter of it. It's like, we're about to get married, and here's a book about someone who goes through hell. It just doesn't seem... Yeah. It's not necessarily setting up for the happiest marriage. Like I say, that's something that she's into, so he's gone through trouble to get an original copy. Yeah, fair enough. A real book. I think that's a big deal, so I'm I'm letting that go. Okay. He's actually done something nice there. Yeah. Well, go on then. We'll let that one go. Uh, and then we get a really good bit where they go into the holodeck and it's the Bride of Chaotica. Yeah, and this again, this is the last time we see Chaotica. Yeah, this is really good. I mean, the, the, the original episode, uh, the Bride of Chaotica episode, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but it's really good to kind of revisit it. And it's great how Jane Wait sort of at first is really resistant, but then she sort of starts slipping into it and starts hamming it up yeah. and everything. Well, she does that in the in the original episode. Yeah, she, she was does. resistant and then slips into it. <laughs> yeah, it's really really good. And um, the we move on and the the me old well I say old but it, the Mackie version of Belana. Yes, 
this and, is um, sort of at the end of the second part of Caretaker, right at the very end of it. Yeah, and that I really like that version of Bellana, and I like that yeah. we we revisit it here. And yeah, because she only did it for one episode. Well, the the pilot episode. Yeah, I mean she she mellowed pretty quickly, but it's good to see where she started off and. I think one of the things about this episode is that it's showing you sort of what could have been in the sense that if we'd have kept these characters a bit more like it, like the the team that they assemble at the end where you've got uh, Seven still as a Borg and you've got uh, like Belana with her old attitude and everything, you're like, this yeah. would have been so much more of an interesting ensemble to have. Um but yeah, so that's good. And then we, we've talked about Tuvok's death scene and everything we've got there. Yeah, and that was a nod to the uh, to Wolf of Khan, his death scene. Yes, yeah. And to Spock's death scene, so yeah. that was a nice touch. They've done quite, they do quite a few nice little nods in this episode. Yeah, I think it's a really strong episode. It's an... Yeah, it's almost like, I know it's only halfway through season seven, but it's almost like this is a... Uh, them sort of preparing for the end and saying goodbye to a yeah, lot of characters. It really the does. characters and a nod to some of the sillier things that they've done. And yeah, it does. Some of the things that maybe should have done differently. It's really nicely done. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's probably worth having a look, actually, seeing who wrote it to see if it was their, their last writing assignment on the show. Yeah, that'd um, be interesting, and I'd love to that. Or the director's last time or something, so it feels like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Janeway decides, or she toys with the idea of changing the timeline, which you can understand, because she's like, well, it must be better than all this that you're telling me about and that you've shown me, and the Delta Quadrant yeah, just looks awful. Yeah, but positives, and he's right, he is positives. Yeah, there is. And... Um, so yeah, basically, it's the the challenge they've got then is to get by Seska, and she, typical of Seska, she sort of turns the tables on them, and she's like, "Well, I'm gonna set it all to this time frame so that I can still have Voyager and everything because you obviously yeah. get it back if you're from the future." And this is where all like Seven saves the day, but you get the whole sort of team coming together. And as I say, it's a pretty cool crew. You like, I'd, I'd like to spend more time with them. Yeah, it is. It's, <coughs> yeah, it, it's almost a, a good, a good buy, and he's what could have been. Yeah, if we, if we'd have kept the, the tensions going and not resolved everything so quickly. But then yeah. we've got a bit here that we've talked about a few times on the podcast, where Janeway says, you know, sort of, how close did we get? And Chakotay says, well, there were some barriers we didn't cross. Yeah. Do we think he's lying a bit there? Because as we keep saying, there was that episode with the the monkey on the planet and everything. Yeah, and... now, I think everyone suspects that something happened on that planet. Yeah. And they never talk about it. I think... But I think that something happened on that planet. I do, and I think Chakotay is sort of sparing a... Not embarrassment, but, you know, it, it's a little bit... Yeah, it was, uh, well, how long were they on the planet? We were led to believe that they were there for months, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, but then nothing else, nothing before and nothing after. Yeah, and so, yeah, I think it's one of these sort of a gentleman doesn't talk about it kind of thing going on there rather than the truth. And then, yeah, we wrap up. He manages to stop the accident and everything. And then 
There's a good bit like, well, she, why did you countermand my orders? Says, well, I can't tell you because of the Temporal Prime Directive. No, and, does and, the Temporal Prime Directive count here? Because uh, this is after the events. I'd have, I'd have thought, yeah, it doesn't matter. Say, all he saw of the future was Naomi and Icheb were older. And that's yeah. only one possible future, so it doesn't really... But I just yeah, thought... Yeah, that's one possible future if uh, he didn't say things, uh, but, June. I just thought, what a great excuse that you could use that excuse for absolutely anything. You know, yeah. like, why did you do that? Well, uh, I would tell you, but it's the Temporal Prime Director. All right, we'll let you off then. Yeah. And, you know, they no. should they should all come out with it, like, all the times. I mean, every right, Star Trek they... show. At least at the end of this one, Jacoti knows what's happened. We haven't had a true. complete wait that the episode didn't happen. That's true, yeah. And, like, you know, we get all these episodes across all of the Star Trek shows where the crew's put on trial. And, you sh- you know, all you have to say is, well, I did it because of the Temporal Prime Directive, so I did the right thing. Yeah. And you get off yeah, scot-free. I can't tell you why I did it, but it was Temporal Prime Directive. Exactly, yeah. And... Maybe maybe it's like a get out of jail free card. You're only allowed to use it so many times, and then I don't know. But I thought that were a good one. But but yeah, good episode. Yeah, yeah fun episode. Good episode. Fun episode. They really well done. Yeah. Uh, one of the I've, I think it's fair to say it's one of the stronger Voyager episodes. Yeah, and definitely at this stage in Voyager season seven, it's and it's. Chakotay in season seven before we get to the silly romance story with Seven of Nine, so one of the last yeah. good Chakotay bits as well. So yeah, so from that one then another good fun episode is Little Green Men from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, this is this is I was I've actually shot myself here because it's quite a long time since I've rewatched this. Yeah, and it's but it's one of my favourite episodes when I do watch it. Yeah, it's a great episode. It's a really fun, enjoyable episode. And this is this is early season four because Nog's leaving for the academy, and I love like the opening of it where it's when Ferengi leave home and go to do their own thing. They sell all the childhood stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that just makes so much sense for Ferengi culture. Yeah, it does. It's, you know, your parents want to keep one of your childhood toys as a memento, so you sell it to them rather than giving it to them. And it's brilliant. And you've got lots of nice sort of character bits for the crew here because Dax buys what is essentially a pawn holosuite program for Dr. Bashir as a present. So, yeah. Probably to get him to stop. You've got um, O'Brien asks. Wolf, what he that I didn't expect him to be there. He said, "Well, it was sort of implied by Captain Cisco." I have to. Yeah, <laughs> but he ends up finding a tooth sharpener, which he seems well impressed with. Yeah, he's really happy with that, isn't he? Yeah, and but I was watching it, and I thought, well, if he didn't want it and he put it back, you won't want it after Wolf's had a go on his teeth with it, unless. Well, well, Nog's had a go on his teeth with it. Maybe it's got like a self-cleaning. Sort of thing. Who I knows? So. I like how uh, Major Kira finds a, a, a tennis racket or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is there that, sh- that he'd taken a couple of years previously. Yeah, he's obviously like nicked he, it. Like season one, he was regularly breaking into places. Yeah, he was. Uh, so we assume he's uh, stole this a few years previously. Yeah. Oh, what? You misplaced it all that time ago. It's been here on the bar. Yeah, it's been on the bar all the time. No, I I really, really like it. It's a good opening. And uh, when 
So Quark's got a ship from his cousin Galen, and you can tell Quark's up to something that he's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart. Oh no! He, he, well, he, he almost plays ro- not wrong. Yeah. Into suggesting that they go to Earth. Yeah, so I need to take it for a long trip and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And we should go somewhere safe now. Where should we go? Yeah. And he's playing Ron to come out with to say, oh, well, why don't we go to Earth and you can take Nog? Yeah, so he, he gets Ron to look like Ron. It, <coughs> it were Ron's idea all along, sort of yeah. thing. And he leaves Morn in charge of the bar, which I think is quite funny. Yeah, I like how his how his uh, major thing is um, keep an eye on Odo. Yeah, because he'll keep an eye on you. And <laughs> I love the sort of ongoing joke we mourn that when we don't see him, he never shuts up. He's constantly talking. Yeah, <laughs> but we never ever get it. But yeah, and then there's a really nice um, sort of sweet scene between Jake and Nog, where they're sitting on the balcony where they used to always sit in the early seasons. Yeah. And they're sort of saying goodbye to each other and everything. And that that's a really nice character scene there. Yeah. that Like, these two have become really good friends yeah. over the years. And it's the sort of scene that could have easily... You don't really need it for the plot of the episode. And it could have easily got cut or not bothered writing it at all. But I think it it's one of DS9's strengths that they do do these character bits every now and again. The, like... To be fair, I think out of all the sh- all the Star Trek series so far, DS9 did the best character development, and not just across sort of one or two characters, but right across the board of multiple multiple characters. No, well that's it. I mean, it, it's the it's the recurring like guest characters. I mean, this episode is effectively Quark, Rom, and Nog, and of them, only Quark's an actual series regular. Yeah, but. The characters are that well developed at this stage that you can have nearly whole episodes focusing on the supporting cast. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, DS9 did that really, really well. Like, even supporting cast. If you told somebody that Ron wasn't a supporting, wasn't a season regular on DS9, they wouldn't believe you. No, not in the later ones, definitely. And, and I don't think people would, like, uh, we haven't broadcast it yet, but I talk about Decat in yeah. an episode that we've got coming up. And I think a lot of people would tell you that he was a season regular. Yeah, Ducat. And he's just a guest, guest star. There's lots of them yeah, like that. Yeah, Ducat, Garak, Martok, um, yeah. loads and loads. Were you? Ron, uh, So, yeah, there's loads. But, um, yeah, so we set off and it's the three of them going to Earth and everything. And Quark's called his ship Quark's Treasure. Yeah, which, yeah, it makes sense. It does. And he, he's smuggling, um, I forget the name of the element now. Chemosite. Chemosite, that's it. So he's smuggling this and they're going to stop off at, uh, did you say Rigel or something on the way back? Rigel on the way back. And I where, like that... Rom sort of works out his smuggling, doesn't he? Yeah, and Rom gets himself in on the deal and... And then Nog's there, he's sort of like, Quark turns to Nog, oh, I suppose you want your cut. Well... As a uh, member of Starfleet, I'm supposed to report any infractions. Yeah. I haven't joined the academy yet, so I'll have 10%. Yeah, exactly. So, again, it's, it shows that even though he's joining the academy, he's still a Ferengi at heart sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, there's a good line from Rom 
where Quark says, like, oh, when did you get so smart? And he says, I've always been smart. I just lacked self-confidence. And that's almost like a bit of an acknowledgement that they've retconned the character of Rom because he was stupid when it started off. And it it was a while before the... I'm not sure if he was because, you see, I'm sure there's an early episode where it's taken parts of something to fix the replicates in Quark's power or something. Yeah, So he's always been actually smart, but he just... Plays it being stupid. I think they've, I think they've subtly changed him there, and yeah. this is sort of acknowledging it. But yeah, he's he's more comp- he's always been more competent than Quark thinks he is, but he turns out to be really, really capable as the series goes on. Yeah, it, it turns <laughs> out that he's actually that he's actually an engineering genius. Yeah, <laughs> and um, so Nog finds the picture of Gabriel Bell. Which is Commander Cisco, Captain Cisco, but he was Commander at the time. Uh, that's a nice sort of um, reference to a previous episode, which is uh, Past Tense, um, which is again a time travel episode. But we we've talked about this off the air, haven't we? We said that we think yeah, Past Tense we're probably not, we're not going to look at Past Tense, not in at least not in this series, just given the. Things that have been going on in the world at the moment. It's, yeah, it's, we don't want to get politicised. Yeah, it's a little bit too close to home at the minute. So and yeah, so we're just going to give that one a wide berth. Yeah, while we're, we'll, at some point we'll go. Some point we'll come on to it, but while we're in lockdown and everything, we want to focus on having a good time with Star Trek, and that one is a little bit too close to the bone at the minute. But we will yeah. come back to it at some point. But yeah, it's a nice sort of throwback to that. And Quark has that line where he says, well, all humans look alike. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this is where we find out, obviously, Cousin Galen sabotaged the ship. Yeah, he's, he's sabotaged the command routines that it won't drop out of warp. <laughs> yeah, which is a bit crazy. And Cousin Galen, like, I think we only see him once or twice, but he is mentioned a lot. Yeah, like Quark's always see, going on about him, and I think Quark's quite jealous of him because Galen owns a moon or something. Yeah, I think that I think we get a, we find out more about that moon, and it's actually a, a useless lump of rock. Yeah, that he has, but he always brags I've got a moon, so yeah, Quark's jealous of it. And then this is where the time travel sort of takes place off screen, really, because the next thing we see is. Quark's waking up and he's in this like holding yeah. room and yeah, like Rom comes out with like, how the mic how the mic get out of warp and he says if we direct the plasma flow through the cargo bay over the chemosite, yeah, it should cause so some sort of radiation that'll disrupt the warp field. <laughs> and it turns out that doing that sends you back in time as well. So yeah. And, yeah, so we quickly find out that they're in the near Roswell um, in 1947, so it's a, a reference to the Roswell incident, which I yeah, think... Yeah, it is, so for all the conspiracy theorists and all that, Star Trek DS9 does tell you what actually happened there. Yeah, it was the Ferengi all along. Yeah. And I love the sort of period detail and everything, like everybody's smoking... And the uforms there, and everybody's hair's done in a sort of very forties, fifties yeah, fashion. 40s style. Yeah, these are. It's really good detail. Yeah, 
and we hear the Fereng- the actual Ferengi language, like you've got them talking, and because the Universal Translator's not working. Yeah, yeah, like, I thought that was a nice touch. The, like, I can't think of another episode where we hear the Ferengi talk, no, or the Ferengi language. No, I don't think you do. Um, so, they've gone to the... Ep- and I'm assuming that, like, I know that the Klingons beat and Vulcan have been sorted, and yeah. Romulan. So, I'm assuming somebody's probably got a book out there of the actual Ferengi language. Yeah, they must have done, because uh, we recognise the odd word here and there, but, um, yeah, it's it, they've definitely developed something for it. And, obviously, they send, like, there's a funny scene where they get the guy to go in and try and speak to them, and they're all tapping their heads because they're trying to get the Universal Translators to work. So. <laughs> yes, so everyone starts mimicking them. Yeah, and Quark's <laughs> like, hang on a second, and he's messing with his nose and everything, and... He's like, right, we're going to be able to take advantage of these people because they're not very yeah. advanced. And I like that we get acknowledgement here that the Universal Translator's built into your head because yeah. we've always sort of assumed before, like, and we know in, like, TOS and Discovery and stuff, it was done, it was a separate device you had to carry around with you. Yeah, well, we saw it, we saw it, it got invented, didn't it, by Hoshi in uh, Enterprise. Yeah, but so, then... It was the actual summit that you held in your hand at yeah. that point, but but now it's and it's the only thing really that makes sense is that everybody would have to have this built in. Yeah, it, it's it's it, a chip that you have put in your ear or something. Yeah, like a Babel fish, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, now but, I wonder if that's what if like it does make you wonder if they are sort of referencing the hitchhikers here. It could well be. When they've got it in your ear. But it's it's one of them that people like to speculate about and nitpick about and say, well, is it done through the com badges? But then how does it work when they take the com badges off them? And I think this is the best explanation you can come up with. That everybody's yeah. got it built into their heads and it's always yeah. on and it always works. So stop worrying about it. But, yeah. um and they're talking about, like, the Ferengi afterlife as well, and it's the divine treasuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bow was showing a profit. Yeah, <laughs> we can't be in the vault of eternal destitution. <laughs> yeah. And they've got a... But no one's here to take our drive to let us in. Yeah, and we can't bid on our new lives and stuff. So it's... <laughs> I love that they've given thought to the Ferengi afterlife and that it's all built around profit and everything. Yeah. And... There's a bit where Quark's talking Ferengi and he says, the only word you recognise is Umox. Like, he's talking to the woman and he's going, hey, jib, bib, dib, dib, Umox? <laughs> Umox. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he's up to something there. <coughs> and there's so, uh, another nice, like, little callback where she says, oh, we, uh, the the nurse woman says, like, oh, yeah, we could be looking at new worlds and new civilizations." Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a, I thought that was a really nice line to come out with. Yeah, very go good. And discover strange new worlds and new civilizations. Yeah, very, very good. I wonder where we've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Quark, when he gets to speak, wants to get the Universal Translators working, he says, I've got a business proposition for you. And there's this thing of, like, he, he sort of blackmails them a little bit with, well, I'll take it to the Russians. Yeah, yeah, um, which actually wasn't a very smart idea. <laughs> no, because that's when they're like, right, we've got to do something. And I love how, like, Quark's obviously just trying to blag it, and he says, oh, we know everything about the human race, 
baseball, root beer, darts, darts atom bombs. Root beer. And it, it, so he doesn't know much about humans at all, really. But and then there's this bit with Nog where he's all my ears hurting again. And we've talked about a lot what rubbing a Ferengi's ear actually is. So yeah. Nog's taking advantage of the situation as well. Yeah, um, so Ron, Ron jumps on the bandwagon. Actually, yeah. my ears are hurting again. <laughs> yeah, I could do with some of that as well. <laughs> and, yeah, it's all really great fun. And then Odo turns up. So Odo's been posing as a, a German shepherd for most of the episode. Uh, yeah. Though that it'll probably been called an Alsatian in 1947, now that I think about it. But, um, yeah, it would be, yeah. So it's one of these, isn't it, with Odo's shapeshifting that... It can do birds, dogs, inanimate objects in as much detail as you possibly want, but it can't do a passable humanoid face. Now, I think they've sort of retconned this a bit, because like, when we see the other changelings in their natural form, they've all got the same sort of features as Odo. Yeah. So I I think they've retconned that. Right, so it's, okay. yeah, that's so kind of the that, natural... That's actually what their species look, looks like. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. But yeah, he's, he does a very good German Shepherd anyway. And uh, yes, yeah, so obviously Odo's been following him because he knew Quark was up to something. And basically the plan is we've got to use the chemosite to get back. Yeah, uh, the only way is to fly through a nuclear explosion. As you do, which is... That, I think, is a call out to Back to the Future... Because the original ending of Back to the Future was scripted uh, that they were going to have to take the DeLorean to where they were doing um, an atomic test detonation to get the gigawatts of power. And right. then they they scrapped it because it have added X number of million to the budget of the film. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like this, this feels very much like a reference to that. Yeah, it could be. So I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but then, yeah, you get the bit where they're interrogating Quark, and it's this really funny scene. You've got Rom's just screaming for Moogie, and it's just going, Moogie! <laughs> you've got, you've got uh, the keep-injecting Quark with uh, Sodium Pen. Yeah, which doesn't do anything. And he, he, he's screaming, and you're going, it's not working, it's going, oh, no, it's not working, so will you stop injecting me? <laughs> yeah, and then... Uh, Nog sort of takes charge of it and pretends to be an alien invader and he's telling them we're going to do this, we're going to do that and we've got Klingon assault troops and we've got Marauder class ships and all this and he points at the map and they say what, Cleveland? and uh, yeah and then he uses it obviously as an opportunity to escape isn't it and the, the couple that we've been following help him escape and Quack says, I'll shoot her with my death ray. Yeah, and holds his finger to it. Yeah, he says, that looks a lot like a finger. It's a death ray. <laughs> and the the main guy, the general guy, is one of the hippies out of the way to Eden. Yeah, it is. It's Ad- is it Adam? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's done... It, it might have took him 20, 30 years to get a better episode, but he does get a better episode this time. So, and yeah, so basically... It's all wrapped up with the army are going to cover it up and say it was just weather balloons and everything. Yeah, we just found a, a weather balloon. Which we know which is... is what is what we know has happened. Yeah, exactly. 
and they use the bomb to get home and everything, which works out nicely for Quark because they use all the rest of the chemosite. So Odo yeah. can't prove that he's... Um... <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, there's another po- point here, isn't there, where Rom shows how uh, clever he is in that, where Quark's going, get me a lawyer. Oh, because yeah. I'll, I'll, get, I'll contact Cousin Galen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he says, see you in a couple of weeks. So Rom gets to be in charge of the bar for a couple of weeks yeah. while Quark's in Nick. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's just a really, really good fun episode, is it that? It's good fun. It's, it's like you said, the detail of done for 1947 yeah. is really nicely done. I know there's not a lot of sets here. No, but... For it, but the, the sets that they are... Yeah, the... ...are really, really well done. Yeah, they're really the look, authentic. The part. And it's, it's good, like... It's just a totally different setting to what we usually get in... In any Star Trek show, you know, being out on a naval base and everything, it does, it gives the whole episode a different aesthetic to it. Like, we, uh, I mean, we rarely go to Earth in Star Trek anyway. Um, When we do, it is usually in the past. But, yeah, it's just nice. It's a a good episode. Breaks away from it. Because season four can be pretty heavy in Deep Space Nine. You've got the Klingon War breaks out and yeah. you've got episodes like The Visitor and things like that. So this is just a really nice, good, fun one to drop in there. Yep, that's another uh, time travel episode that we haven't covered yet. Of course, The Visitor, yeah. That's a, a big one, isn't it, for Deep Space Nine? <laughs> very, very popular yeah. episode. Um, so yeah, no doubt we'll cover that. But next time we're looking at um what did we say time and again from season one of voyager yeah and time scale oh yeah time scale from tng season end of season six is it yeah it's quite yeah uh yeah time and again is only the third episode of voyager yeah for so they get straight into time so it's the first time travel of voyager yeah um so we'll be back with them next time um, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or you can just look for our Facebook group, and we're on there. Uh, but thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye. Fascinating.